Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart. And you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. And I've got a dog! Hey! <laughs> yes, it finally happened after being slightly jealous of your second dog. I just went and got one. Yeah, that, that's I mean, the best time to get a dog is just uh, impulse. Just get one. <laughs> yeah, jealousy is the best impulse. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite like that. We had been thinking about it for ages. Obviously, I've always wanted a dog. Um, and it was just one of those things that we just decided, right, okay, let's start properly looking. It might take months because we need to get the right dog. They need to make sure it's the right dog for us and it's the right home. And we just happen to see one because uh, our main criteria is really we want a really good active dog. You know, we, we're not in a position to take one on that has behavioral issues or is really unwell. We want one that can do lots of running, lots of walking. And we happened to see one online, went for it. And within like five days, we brought him home. It was it's just kind of it was a bit of a, a mad weekend. Yeah, I find that's like that was the case with Pippin with rescue dogs. You you're looking all the time, but then when they're ready, they're ready. Like it all happens really quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were super, super lucky. So we have Welcome to the Family, William the Kelpie, which is a wonderful name. And people keep asking, Are we gonna change the name? I'm like, Well no, that's his name. It's yeah. It's a lovely name. Yeah, that's his identity. I always think of did you ever watch William's Wish Wellingtons when you were a kid? Oh, that, that stirred a little that, memory somewhere. Yeah, it had that theme tune. It was like, Williams, Wish Wellingtons. I always think of that when you say his name. <laughs> oh, we need to buy him some wellies now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, we've had him like three days now. And he's he's lovely. We could not have asked for a better introduction to a dog as well. Because he's just so gentle and so calm and chill. And he's just sleeping behind me now. <clears> and that's mostly what he does. He sleeps. He'll wander around to somewhere else in the room, sleep again. And he, you know, he hasn't barked. He's barked once because someone's standing outside the window. He hasn't whined really, hasn't chewed anything, hasn't weed anywhere in the house. Uh, he's just he's just lovely and he just comes up for strokes and cuddles all the time and then goes out for um, for walks. And he's just, we're just so, so lucky that he's gone, I've got all that base training. But the thing is, we don't really know what because we don't exactly know his history. It's like the total opposite of my dogs that just go absolutely <laughs> mental because one's four months old and the other one's nine months old. So they just won't stop playing drive me up the wall barking and then they set each other off barking and then yes for those who you know I said before that Pippin wasn't really barking she is now but more because she's learnt it from Finley cool. so Finley will bark at something and then she'll start so Finley tends to bark when she's got a toy and he wants it and now when Finley's got a toy she barks at him so it's this endless cycle of barking and playing and it just never stops as well this is, might be you know a bit of a faux pas for some dog owners but we let them sleep on the bed but the reason why we've done that is because Finley, he, he slept way better through the night once he slept in our bed as a puppy. We couldn't crate train him anyway. He hated the crate. But he's always slept at the end of the bed, like right at the foot of the bed. Mm. Pippin wants to be right up in your face. Like literally, she snuggles into you and puts her head on your shoulder and into your neck. Oh. And it was cute the first couple of nights, but um, it's starting to wear thin now. Because her yeah. breath stinks, because her teeth are falling out. Her breath's lethal. And it's just too much. And she gets up in the night and turns over and just kicks you, like rabbit kicks you in the face. She doesn't care. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> that's bit, that bit's starting to wear a bit thin now. So I think we're going to have to train her to either go to the end of the bed with Finley or uh, or sleep on the floor. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. We're just a dog podcast now. It's yeah. just me and Amy yeah, catching yeah, up yeah. on our dogs. Exactly. That's okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Dogs are not bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely not bullshit. No, um, he sleeps really well, sleeps through the night. We've let him out a couple of times in the middle of the night, but he hasn't weed. I love every time we open the back door, he just runs out and then looks at you like, what's going on? 
and then just comes yeah. back in again. Yeah, Finley doesn't wee in the night at all now. Like, he can hold it for quite... We, we take him out for his walk at, like, nine o'clock, and he holds it until then. He's not bothered. Pippin, on the other hand, keeps pissing on the carpet. Like, I leave the door open for her so she can go outside, and she just stands in front of the door and pisses on the carpet. So... Yeah, she needs a lot more uh, toilet training than we anticipated. <laughs> to try and draw it back slightly more to running, um, we did, as I said, we wanted a dog we could run with. Um, we won't be running with him yet because he's he's healthy, but he's underweight at the moment. Mm. So we need to feed him up and he eats like anything. So we need to feed him up. We need to fatten him up a bit first um, and then we can take him out running. I'm sure he could do it now, but he frankly needs his calories in his belly at the moment. So um, we'll try and fatten him up a bit and then we'll take him out for long runs. And Kelpies apparently can run like 60k a day. So he will easily, easily do that. Um, I did tweet about this, of course. Um, so we have to say hello to some listeners' dogs. Hello to Foxy Bentley, Mello Thompson, Lola Sinclair and Teddy Barkshee. And apparently that's um, some kind of pun of the name of an American footballer. Obviously, that's entirely lost on us. But look how adorable he is. People oh are sending photos as well. That is adorable. Is it like a, a golden retriever or something? Or what? Looks something like that, yeah. Yeah, oh. that is adorable. <laughs> They're uh, all adorable, wants... but yeah, of Teddy, course. especially. <laughs> anyone wants to follow William on Instagram? Obviously, he's on Instagram. William the Kelpie with underscores instead of spaces. So William underscore the underscore Kelpie. Please follow him. And adore him as much as I do. Um, so some of the podcasts uh, coming up will be about running. And coming up, we've got another fab guest for you to talk about fell running. We've got your tweets, some PR fuck-ups, and the bullshit running news. But before all of that, ladies and gentlemen, we should have a jingle for this. Amy went on another adventure. Amy's adventures in running. Adventure time usually with Amy. fucks up and falls or ends up lost. Most of the time it's the latter. Sometimes with the former on the same run. Right. Okay, it's too much now. It's too much now. Stop there. Yeah, so I had another adventure. And for those who follow me on Instagram, as you all should, um, forget William the Kelpie, you should be following me on Instagram. Uh, you may have heard this story. <laughs> so on Thursday, I went... Um, for a run on my, it started out on my usual route, but then I decided to take a bit of diversion. And for those in Car- who live in Cardiff, um, I went through Leckworth Woods, and I always see Leckworth Woods on the edge of my like the route I normally take, and I think, oh, I must run through there at some point. I've never run through there in daylight, which sounds a bit weird, but I did go on that ghost run, <laughs> the Halloween ghost run that goes through there, and that was horrific. Um, yeah, for for because it was just so muddy. But I thought, I bet in the daylight that'll be quite a nice run. So on Thursday, I decided today's the day. I'm going to go through Leckworth Woods, see what it's all about. Maybe do a bit of an out and back. I don't know. So I ran through Leckworth Woods, came to the end. I was in some park. don't know what park I was in. Um, and see, I tend to make routes up a bit on the fly. to try and get, I, I like doing circular routes. Hmm. So I ended up on the other side of the woods. And I took my phone and I thought, oh, let, let's do a circular route. Let's try and get back home by not going back through the woods. But I couldn't work it out because my navigational skills are terrible. But also I couldn't work out how to come back without making the run like 10 miles long, which I didn't want to do. Um, so I thought I'd go back through the woods. And then when I was in the woods, I got my phone out again just to double check I was going the right way home. Um, and I thought, I bet it can still turn into a circular route if I go like up the hill, <laughs> like just upwards somewhere. Just just yeah, vaguely just up, you know? Um, I should be able to like do a loop then back on myself, but yeah, that that, that that's fine. You know, just just go up. Don't need a, to follow a map or anything. Just you know, that should be fine. General direction. Um, it wasn't fine. I got to the top of this hill and it was what looked like a dead end. On one side, I could I looked down and I could see 
that there was no path going down, but somebody had made like a makeshift shelter that looked very ominous and very <laughs> strange. We like tarpaulin and there was all sorts of things around there. So I thought, I'm not going to go that way. <laughs> Obviously, people have been down there, so it must be possible to get down there, but I'm not going to go that way. And on the other side, there was like, I couldn't work out whether it was a path or just a just sort of a ditch going down, really. So <laughs> it was like gravel. And there was no foliage on it, so I thought it kind of looked like a path. And I thought it looked like people had been going down it, but I, I wasn't sure. Um, and of course, the third option was just turn around and come back the way I came, which... No, yeah, obviously you can't do that. Yeah, that's not a possibility. So <laughs> I started going down what I thought was a path, and it wasn't. And I ended up having to slide down on my bum because it was just gravel. It was just loose gravel. So I slid, like a top speed, all the way to the bottom, and it was a ditch. I was in a ditch. You know when you go you're in the woods and you know there's ditches either side. Uh, it's just like brambles and all sorts of crap. You can't even see the ground because it's you know that sort of thing. Not a trail yeah. basically. Um I couldn't get back up the gravel path because it was just it's not a path. But I couldn't get up the side of this gravel thing. So I ended up having to like walk through brambles. My legs are cut up to sh- well my knees like cut up to shreds on one leg. Um I I started thinking in my head. I thought, God, I hope there's no like snakes or anything under here because I couldn't see my feet. <laughs> it was literally ankle deep. How many snakes foliage. do we have around here? I, well, possibility of adders, I guess. Like they like to live in those sort of places, mm. don't they? I don't know. Um, but also, I was really worried about rolling my ankle just because I couldn't see where I was stepping. So um, yeah, eventually. I found, well, at first I found a log that like slid down the side of this ditch. So I thought if I climb up the log, then I'll be able to get back on top, which, which I just imagine didn't quite work out. And then a bit further along, I found like um, some exposed tree roots. So I climbed up the tree roots. I was like proper well, nice. adventure. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was, I was shaking because the, it was the adrenaline. I'm like, shit, I can't get out. So I was like shaking because I was so sort of pumped up and like, holy shit, I need to get out, I need to get out. Even though, if anyone knows, like Leckworth Woods isn't big. Like it's not, you can't get no. lost per se. You could make your way back out. But every time, I remember I went down one little path while I was in the ditch and I, it was just like a, a cliff, like the side of a cliff, like just rock going straight up. And I'm like, where the fuck am I? How do I get out? It was really, I came to a clearing and it was just an exposed piece of stone that must have been about, God, about 30 foot high. And that was it, like, in this clearing. I was like, because I thought, eventually I'm going to get to a road or something. Yeah. But I was like, it felt like I was trapped, like, <laughs> trapped in the woods. So, yeah, I climbed. Snakes everywhere. Yeah, yeah, snakes. It was all getting very, like, Bear grills. Um, but I, I climbed imagine. out for these tree roots. Um and I saw that somebody, there was a fence that was like obviously stopping people from going over there that had been sort of like a wire fence that had been trodden down on. Um, and luckily, on the other side of that fence was the, the trail, like the proper trail. <laughs> but I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea if it, that was part of like the adrenaline was thinking, because every turn I took, things just got worse. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I found the path and I made it back safe and sound. But... If you look on a if you look on a map at Leckworth Woods on Google Maps, you'll see what a small area it is. Yeah. So I managed... Amy's adventure in a square mile of light woodland. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, listeners who aren't familiar with Cardiff, just just have a look at Leckworth Woods on Google Maps, and you'll see what a small area it is. And I couldn't work out why I couldn't get out. Why I couldn't like find a, a path or anything. It was like every turn was just worse and worse and worse. So Amazing. yeah, well done. 
Yeah. I was so, trying to look at your route that you took there, but obviously I can't see it for reasons uh, that we will come to later. Yes. I wanted to as well, because I think it's just going to be like a squiggly line going all over the place. And like me Amazing. running around a park trying to find a way to get... The, yeah, it was just... The whole thing was a mess. And sometimes people know, you know, when you try to do a new route, it works out really well. And suddenly you've got a new circular route. Other times it goes disastrously wrong. And that was one of them. Absolutely. So yeah, that was that was my main thing. Not that it's very interesting after that, but I also went on like my first trail run in forever along the Wales coastal path uh, from Ogmore. That was killer. I think I did like 800 feet, you know, 800 foot of elevation and I was like aching for days. Yeah, I did see um, you put on Strava, I think, like how awful all the elevation was on that. Yeah. And I kind of thought, oh, Amy's knackered after that little elevation. Like, I know. Like a few hundred meters. But you know what? A few days later, I went on the coast path. I did a similar amount of elevation and I was absolutely fucked. If you're not, if you're not <laughs> doing that regularly, because my mum used to live in that area. So I used to go visit her like most weekends, just <laughs> mainly so I could run along the coastal path because it's yeah. beautiful. So I used to do that route most weekends and it was fine. But like, I haven't done that sort of thing in so long. It was awful. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did about 22k. I went from Barry Island to Lantwit Major, which is mm. mostly really amazing, uh, really lovely. There's just one section around a coal power station, which, as you mm. might not be surprised to learn, is not that nice to run around. That was horrendous and a lot longer than I thought it was. But mm. once you got off the other side of that, really lovely. Yeah, similar amount of elevation to you, I think, but a little bit further. But God, the last few miles of that, I was absolutely fucked. Yeah. Um, and just the main thing I was thinking as well, this is kind of back to how I used to be doing ultra training, is when will I learn not to eat a bacon and egg sandwich before a long run? Like, I mean, directly before. We went out of Barry Island, had a little wander around there first, had a bacon egg sandwich and a cup of tea, and then ran uh, 12, 13 miles. Um, I was to, to be, it's, it's good value because you get that egg back many, many times over. I bet. You went straight for a run after that. You didn't yeah, like let it set, settle, you just Well, went. it was maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. No, that's like a good I two hours after that sort of thing. <laughs> let that settle, jeez. It was, a, it was a lovely run. SBC fell over, that was a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it was right on a really gravelly, rocky path though. Oh. And it was just one of those ones she said, while she was going down, she had so many thoughts of like, I don't want to land, there's nowhere good to land. So she had to mm-hmm. kind of half twist herself and... Actually, she's got a lovely big graze down her leg and kind of cut her hand and had some nice uh, skin flaps hanging off her hand for the oh, rest of it. Didn't bleed too flaps. much, luckily, but there was some good skin flaps going on. But it was just almost one of the worst places she could have fell over because it was all that really nasty, rough gravel. Jeez. So we had another quite a few miles to go after that. So, you know, oh. that, that cheered me up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also want to mention as well that I've seen a guy, I've seen a guy running lately and bless him, he's probably new to running because I noticed him at first because he was always wearing a woolly hat and it's been quite warm lately. That's weird. And he's always wearing in t-shirt and shorts and a woolly hat. But the other day he was running in jorts, jean shorts. Jorts? Jorts, jean shorts. Jorts. Jeans that are shorts, jorts he was running in. I don't know why they're a thing. I don't know why that's a word. I'm not happy about it. Jean shorts. He he was running in knee length jean shorts, and regardless of jorts, knee length as well. Knee length. Can you imagine the chafing? Sorry if you're listening to this. You're probably not, but I I see I see you, bro, and just buy some cheap shorts from Sports Direct or something. You know that aren't jorts. <laughs> Have you got some flyers for local running shops? Perhaps you could just hand hand one over to him next time yeah. you see him. Yeah, exactly. He, you know, if he's just started, he, he should know. He, should, he could go a bit further if he wasn't wearing jorts, probably. Be a lot more comfortable. Oh, 
Jorts man. So uh, to the last episode, we had a few reactions. And first of all, we had Running Punk at Runs with a Koi Poo, who I believe is Martin Kaplan from Germany. He said, I just listened to the latest episode. Amy Gender's quotes should not only get their own book, but even more so a tech t-shirt range, pure gold. Cannot tell her how often I'd use, I'd elbow check a bitch when needing to vent. Um, good point. However, it was shoulder check a bitch. Yeah, get it right. <laughs> when I publish my book, you'll be able to double check it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> At Welsh Blue seventy eight said, "Love the movie reviews this week. Couldn't argue with either of them. But my favourite moment of Run Fat Boy Run is the race started outside City Hall on South Bank, and then went westbound, meaning about five thousand runners went down a path about six foot wide." Yeah, this is my favourite thing to do on films and TV things like this, is when you know the area or you can just pick apart those kind of details. Like, well, that wouldn't make any sense at all. I love doing that shit. So well done, Hugh. Thank you. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie reviews last week. Oh, that was good fun. It was quite good to watch some running films and just pick the shit out of them. We should do more of those. Yeah, definitely. I really want to find some really obscure running films. You know, when you just Google running on Netflix or Amazon mm-hmm. Prime and you, something comes up and you think, I've never heard of this, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I happened to watch Hot Fuzz uh, the other day, which has Simon Pegg in again. Again, it's just another Simon Pegg film. He does a lot of running in that as well. So obviously mm-hmm. he's in good shape to do Run Fat Boy Run a few years later. Definitely. And in Run Fat Boy Run, that's another thing. One more thing about Run Fat Boy Run. He's constantly being called fat, and he's not that big. Like, you know, give the man a break. Yeah, well... You know, he's just got a dad bod going on. Give him a break. I don't even know... I I don't want to get into dad bod. I don't understand dad bod (laughs) as a concept. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just looks like what normal people look like, and now that's called a thing. Yeah. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't know. I don't know. Because then we'd have to talk about Zach Efron. I just, I don't want to do that either. Right, anyway. Um, at one Sam W says, walking home with my shopping and properly laughing out loud at the film reviews. I'm off to strap a GPS to my boobs. Excellent idea. Definitely. See how far your boobs have run. <laughs> but wouldn't it be annoying if your, boob, if your boobs are running further than you? Should they have their own Strava account? Oh, definitely. Yeah, get a boob. You want, p- you want to track p- that? Yeah, I've seen that your dog has its own Strava account now. Of course, so yes. It's open to anyone, I guess. <laughs> I'm putting all my dog walks on Strava now. Sorry, everyone. That's oh, just it's my Strava. Get the fuck used to it. No, your dog walks. That's proper yeah. Strava wanker stuff. Of course it is. I've got no problem with that at all. Okay, so Amy and I had a chat this week with our guest, uh, all about fell running and blogging, and we can listen to the first half of that now. We're talking to Ruth Keeley, a fell runner and author of the Fell Run Like a Girl blog which with a name like that was always going to attract our attention. So thanks for joining us, Ruth. Um, Could you tell us a bit more about your running background and how you got into fell running, first of all? Yep, sure. Hi, everybody. Um, I started off probably like most people, did a little bit of running at school, but nothing serious, just quite enjoyed it. And then kind of dabbled in a couple of things just as a keep fit thing more than anything. Someone at work suggested doing the Derby 10K years and years ago now. So I thought, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Did that. Not very well, but I was just pleased to have got around, you know, trained for it and everything. Whereas now I probably wouldn't really think about training for a 10K. Um, And then just kind of got more and more into it as the years went on. I did a few more 10Ks, a couple of half marathons. And then someone suggested doing some off-road running, which, oh my God, after you've done road stuff, I found so difficult. Um, just, just such a different different discipline altogether, really, it felt like. Um, yeah, really struggled with it. 
couldn't get up any of the hills, was walking all the time. Um, but it's just one of those things. The more you do, the more you get out of it. And I just, yeah, compared, I like the odd road race, but there's nothing quite like running off-road in the hills. So you're more of a, uh, an off-road runner these days? Yeah, I tend to do most of my training. And when we were allowed to race many years ago... Um, did we ever, did we ever the, race? Is that just some kind of myth? No, maybe it was just a dream, which just feels like it. <laughs> Yeah, I prefer a trail race or a fell race, um, yeah, to the road stuff. But I, yeah, like I said, I do the odd road race, but not that many these days. No, I find that trail running is just, it's just like a whole body workout compared to road running. So if you if you go to like the trails and run on the trails, you can feel it everywhere. And then when you get back on the road, it feels a bit more like autopilot and you can relax your mind and your body a bit more. It's definitely, it definitely puts a different strain on your body. You must use different muscles. Um, obviously, with the off-road stuff, your your feet and your legs, you're constantly going at a different pace and over different terrain. So your, your ankles are sort of moving like this all the time. Um, obviously, you're going uphill and downhill, which you might be less so in a road race, depending on where you're running, obviously. So you, your muscles, yeah, you feel it differently in your muscles. I got all new different aches and pains going off road um, and strengthened up different bits that I hadn't really used before. But then when I sometimes if I go back to a, a road race and do a really hard run on the road, I, I, I really will get like doms the next day, which I don't tend to get a lot from um, off road stuff. I think because of just the pounding on the concrete. Mm. So yeah, they're, they're quite different the way that it kind of impacts on you, I've noticed. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about fell running before, as I've done a few shorter races. So, but for our listeners that have heard the phrase but aren't exactly sure what it's all about, could you explain what fell running actually is? Um, yeah, it's just basically a fell is just a hill. It's kind of a northern word for a hill, mm-hmm. and it's generally just run up a hill and then run back down it. And the difference between a kind of trail run and a fell run is that on a fell run, you don't necessarily have to use um, like a a proper path or a trail. It's kind of taking the fastest line up and down in a race generally. Um, So that's the the only difference really. It seems to be a step on from trail races because there'd be a lot of trail races where there'd be a marked course, but sometimes some of the longer fell races, as you say, there will just be a couple of checkpoints maybe and you get to them any way you can. So it's a lot more based on experience and knowledge of the area as well yeah and it depends what kind of race you do I do most of my racing in uh, the Peak District in Derbyshire and I think some of those are quite different to some of the Lake District races so you have your standard kit that you sort of you have to take on a lot of fell races it's part of the fell race kind of insurance and in that kit is included a map of the course and a compass um and so yeah if the course isn't marked out sometimes it is and sometimes you have marshals and i haven't done many races that i haven't known the way or been able to follow a path or the people in front you know it's not always just sort of bashing through heather um but i think some of the lake district ones a bit of local knowledge having done the route before knowing the fastest lines and being able to read a map of they're definitely key for you to either to get round the route or get round the route in the best best way possible. Okay. Has fell running increased in popularity lately? Because there's a lot of talk in ultra running about how that's increased in popularity. Um, and some of my friends who live up north and take part in fell races say that over the years, especially more recently, there has been more people getting involved, whereas before it used to be quite seen as quite a niche thing. 
Yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, I suppose I'm a relative newcomer to it, really. I've, I've not grown up. I grew up in Nottingham, which isn't famed for its fells. Um, so I've only been doing it for the last few years. But even since then, in, in the club that I'm in, it's certainly become more popular in, in my running club. And I think that's the same sort of across the board. It's, it's becoming, yeah, definitely more popular. And I think it's probably partly to do with social media and people seeing it more and understanding more about it. It becomes a bit more high profile and people think, yeah, I want a bit of that, you know, let's try something new. Um, yeah. Okay, so you kind of got into this and about four years ago, you started up your blog, Fell Run Like a Girl. Uh, what made you start up the blog and why was that particular focus you chose with that title? Because it's quite a provocative title as well. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I'm not sort of like a feminist or, you know, like really right. Uh, I mean, I'm a woman and I'm, I run, so I care about equality. And, and I just was really annoyed with people that say things like, oh, you run like a girl or oh, you hit like a girl and all that. And I was like, we need to claim this back and yeah I do run like a girl you know I am a girl and that shouldn't be a bad thing it should be something to be celebrated um so I thought well this is what I'm going to call myself which is what I call myself on my all my social media is run like a girl just to kind of say that this shouldn't be a negative this shouldn't be an insult this should be something that we can use to our advantage yeah, I think I saw one of your posts where you say you you run like a girl. Well, you know, Nikki Spinks is a girl. That's not a bad thing to emulate. I mean, exactly. There's so many f- amazing, fantastic sort of female role models that are paving the way. You know, not not just for women. That they're you know they're they're competing with the best of them and you know winning things outright. Um, it's it's an incredible time actually to be to mm. be in this sport and to see some of the achievements that is, are being made. Yeah, it's fantastic. So does, does the field tend to be a bit more dominated by men still, or, or are you seeing more women getting into fell running? Um, I would say that, yes, there probably still are more men in most races still. And I think that's just a hangover, a historical hangover um, that we're just sort of catching up. And I think the fact that we're now currently seeing more and more um faster women appearing like jasmine paris um people like that is because as more and more people get into it these these people kind of start to emerge and it'll become more and more popular as as people sort of see them running and see what what we actually are capable of you know we can do these things um and you know it's yeah historical issues with roles i suppose gender roles and women not being able having the time to to get out they've got kids to look after etc you know it's a lot different these days yeah there's also plenty i guess uh, with fell running there's a, there's a view of it of being fairly elite and it also of it just being hard and i think a lot of people perhaps don't make that progression or you know not necessarily you know maybe into club runner and then more regular runner but then into trails and fells is just another step and perhaps some people don't quite get the push to go that far yeah, I often see people um, asking the question um, online, you know, how, how would I get into a fell race? You know, I'm, I'm a beginner, you know, what, what, how fit would I need to be? Um, what are the credentials? And it's a lot of the time, you know, it's, yes, it, they can be really hard and they can be on unforgiving terrain, but they're not all the same. There's, they're graded, so you can pick races that are of a lower grade, um, that are more accessible 
so that anyone could have a go you know you go the first race I ever went to I was so nervous and I was you know not a terrible runner I was okay but I genuinely thought I'm gonna come last here because I've never done this before I'm probably surrounded by people that do this every weekend um, and I just didn't know what to expect but there's you know people from all walks of life all ages from you know the sort of late teens if they're allowed to enter all the way up to people in their 70s sometimes so the chances of you coming last are fairly slim and it's such a friendly welcoming atmosphere I've never felt like it's been elitist at all everyone just has a laugh there's loads of banter I've made so many friends just turning up to races on this like the summer race circuit that I only ever see at the races because everyone's just so friendly and you're all there just you know it, it's yeah it's just such a nice welcoming atmosphere and I would recommend that anyone if they've been thinking of it goes and ha picks a race you know nothing too ridiculous like don't start like with the Snowden Mountain Marathon or anything just pick something simple and, and just have a go. Yeah, it's a bit like um, the the same issues people have with joining clubs. You know, it's that thing of it's going to be elite. I'm going to be last. Everyone's going to be too good. But I've had the same experience. I've gone to races and because they're quite small and the people tend to run with each other quite a lot because, they, you know, they're fairly still fairly niche races. People do know each other and they do chat a lot more. And it is very competitive at the front. I, I would love to watch up front some of the racing that they do because the idea of these people running down the hills as fast as they do is just incredible as I'm yeah. kind of tiptoeing my way down. But yeah, it's true. Once you get there, it is a really friendly place. And a lot of the time they're dirt cheap races and you get loads of food at the end. Yes, yes, that is the beauty. Most fell races start uh, near a pub or they start at a village hall. So there's either drinks at the pub after or there's tea and cake and yeah, all that stuff. So it's perfect for socialising and just stuff in your face. <laughs> and we'll be back with Ruth later on in the podcast. And now a shout out to our Patreon donors who have all donated $5 and helped us carry on. Just getting through it is what we're doing at the moment. <laughs> the likely grey Lisa Gibbon, the knavishly simple Kirk Shepherd, the merrily gullible Matt Garner, the effectively lewd Elliot Line, the heavily pregnant Hugh Phillips, <laughs> the mostly well-to-do Maria Wicks, the viciously devilish Victoria Dick and the jarringly passionate Julia Page. The normally guilty Nikki Genders, the busily suitable Brian Simpson, the restfully stupid Rob Smith, sorry Rob, jubilantly jealous Jay, the merely ludicrous Matt Lees, the shrilly realistic Simon Ross, the carelessly gaudy Clark Gilmore. Thank you all very much. And good news, Patreon will allow us to operate in actual proper British pounds, but not quite yet, but soon. So hopefully... Uh, soon it'll be a lot easier to work out how much you're actually giving us which might be a bad thing for us because people might not know what currencies are and might realize how much money they're giving us but remember of course anything helps us out just go to patreon.com or go to our show page on our website uh, search for running is bs and you can help us out with one five twelve dollars for a buff or 30 for a bit of advertising Okay, so the tweets this week and our other messages. We've got some kind of longer things to discuss this week because there's been some interesting things going on. First of all, from Nina Nosebug and Sam at Blessed With Pace, who both slid into our DMs with this from Sayskai, which is a Danish running and sportswear retailer, which I'd never heard of. But it seems this week they put on their Instagram um, how not to be a jogger, running etiquette guidelines, 
What started as a conversation in the Say Sky office about things you definitely don't want to be caught doing on the run slowly developed into a list of unwritten rules of how not to be a jogger, jokingly also now a first draft personnel handbook. Because let's face it, if you consider yourself to be a real runner, you really don't want to be seen as someone just jogging around town. We thought it'd be fun to share these with you and hopefully educate the newcomers to the sport. I can see where they're going with this. And there's, you know, 17 things. I won't go through all of them. There's things that you shouldn't do whilst running. So texting and running, jogging on the spot when you hit stoplights, compression socks on the run, toe shoes, running with weights, and there's things like that. And it seems people massively kicked off about this and they were forced to delete it and apologize for it. And I don't know, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about it because I can just see it's a very naive thing that they did. Because I think it's something that you can joke around with in the office because i think when you're a runner you can laugh at a lot of these things like a jacket around your waist a hydration belt i don't know i wouldn't say most people think that as a bad thing big headphones over your ears i think these are all lists of this is a list of things we can all laugh at ourselves for probably doing or thinking about doing and it's one of those things that like you know a, a running blog or a podcast like us could probably do a list a tongue-in-cheek way of saying these are stupid things that joggers shouldn't do but for a serious sportswear retailer it seems to have not gone down at all well and people are really angry about it because when they said it doesn't represent us people came back and said yes but you were talking about it in the office which you kind of think well you can joke Mm. around in the office and not mean it that's fine but it just it did not come across well basically yeah don't put it on your twitter page like some of them are a bit strange like tight fit from top to bottom brackets men only so women are allowed to wear tight fit stuff from top to bottom, but men yeah, another one like, um, what, gloves what and a singlet or a vest. They're like, well, some professional runners do gloves and a singlet, so that's just that doesn't matter, surely. I do that. I do yeah. gloves and a t-shirt all the that's time fine. in autumn or spring because my hands get cold. I also text yeah, and but, run. But why not? These <laughs> are all things again. These are things we can laugh at ourselves yeah. for doing, but this is probably not the right company to do this. They seem to have got themselves some very no. bad PR from this. And also, like, the, the, the one I didn't really like is too much makeup because there's this whole thing about women shouldn't wear makeup to the gym, women shouldn't wear makeup on running, da da da. Wear what you yeah. fucking want. Wear as much makeup as you fucking want when you're running. It doesn't matter. Like, why do people care? And it's just that thing used to, like, attack women and say, you know, suggest and imply that they're narcissistic or whatever, you know? It's wear whatever the fuck you want when you're running don't worry about yeah. it <laughs> so uh they've had as i said they have to retract that and apologize for it uh, but, but a little bit of a lesson there if you've got a proper company there probably don't want to do these kind of tongue-in-cheek posts because it will not be taken as such no they're not funny when it's no. coming from a company <laughs> on facebook clark r gilmore what does the r stand for clark? why do people put their middle names on facebook um, i've never really understood that I don't know, maybe if you've got a really common first and last name, it's a way to (laughs) to differentiate yourself. So he said, only just listened to this episode on Monday. Great interview with Ben. Really fascinating hearing about the aftermath of such a massive challenge and how it affected him when it was over. But I'd like to stick up for the auto-pause feature Mm. on Strava. I normally have mine on for my regular run in case I get stuck at a busy main road, but turn it off for speed sessions where there's like to be rest periods. However, after listening to the last episode, I kept it off for my run yesterday and saw someone I worked with and stopped for a minute to chat, and it was and it skewed my split times. In the grand scheme of things, I suppose it doesn't really matter, but it does keep your data a bit more consistent with how you ran. 
More OCD than deviously trying to make my stats look better, especially on an easy run, easy in quotation marks. Although I still think Strava logs when you stop, even with the auto pause off, because moving start time and elapsed time are very rarely exactly the same. After that long-winded, weak defence of autopause, I also had to mention that since being furloughed, I've run the same route a lot. So much so that today I got the local legend achievement on Strava for the most segment efforts in the last 90 days, something I didn't even know existed. Just off to buy my third pair of Brooks Transcend 6 in 13 months, the lifespan of running shoes are bullshit, the cheap and gorgeous, but definitely not jagged, Clark Oh, lots and lots of things there, right. Autopause. Mm. I'm going to come back to it, and I'm going to insist on this. On just a normal run, a long run or something like that, you can't use autopause. You talk about keeping your keeping your things, keeping your data consistent. If you've run half a mile in three minutes, you've stopped for 30 seconds, you run the other half mile in three minutes, you have run a six and a half minute mile. You have not run a six minute mile. To say you keep your stats consistent, it's not keeping it consistent because you've taken a break in the middle. When you go to the loo in a marathon, they don't take off that five minutes off your finishing time. It's just, that's how fast you run it. If you're doing okay, if you're doing a speed session, you've got set rest periods, different thing. But just on a normal run, you don't need the auto pause. I don't get it. I I'm not sure. If, I think I've got auto pause on on my Strava, but I'll tell you why I don't know because I don't care <laughs> <laughs> for my training runs. I'm not really going on time because I'm not I'm not speedy. I'm not interested in speed. I'm literally just tracking my miles and how far I've been and the elevation as well. So I think I've got auto pause on because that run I did at Ogmore took like two hours to do eight miles because I just have to keep mm. walk. I had to keep walking because the, the elevation was doing me in. But I think when I got back, it said I did it in like an hour and 30 minutes or something. So, yeah, I get it. There's discrepancy there. But for me, I'm not bothered because I'm not really tracking my speed so much. I'm not really that bothered. I know roughly my pace because I can see it on my watch. But if people want to call me out for it, I'd be like, yeah, probably. I don't really care because it's all I'm just interested in my... I suppose autobots is one thing, but it's the it's the stopping for at traffic lights for four seconds and then starting yeah. it again. What is the point in that? Because again, you've taken, that's a break yeah. you've taken in your running. That's still part of your training. Mm. Oh, sorry. I... I used to do that when I first got my watch. I used to stop it at traffic lights and now I'm like, I really don't care. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Amy, are you a local legend? I'm not actually. I feel like I, I would be, but I guess I do switch up my routes a lot more. But I used to run the same route all the time when I live somewhere else. So I don't know if that's a new feature or something. Cause I've... Yeah, it's fairly new, introduced in the last uh, few weeks or so. Mm. I just kind of think it shows up the people that are really boring and just run <laughs> the same runs over and over again. Why are you doing that? The boring, gorgeous Clark Gilmore. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be, isn't it? Come on. You can't be doing the same thing so many times. I've seen some people uh, like doing the same, just the same street. I guess if it's your street. It's harder because that's actually that's definitely a lockdown thing I found because we have to start and finish our runs from home or, you know, we had to for a few months anyway. Does anyone else really hate those last few streets Hmm. before they get home? For me, there's one in particular that just a kind of a windy street that gets back to my house. I fucking hate running down it now, but I have to run it quite a lot because it's lots of the routes I do lead on to it. I just hate running down there now. Hmm. That said, if you live somewhere like amazingly beautiful you know, in the middle of nowhere and you run the same trail every day. I can imagine that's quite nice. So if you've got like amazing views and wildlife and stuff, I get that. <laughs> yeah, I'd still rather mix it up. 
Uh, next up, uh, this is an amazing thing that you found on Facebook, AB. I, I don't want to ask how. Uh, this is from a basically from an ultra and trail running group on Facebook. And um, someone who will remain nameless. We don't know. Do we know? We don't know them. No, no, no. And I, I, can I just add, this is a trail and ultra running yes. group for women. And actually, it's, it's, it's a good group. Some people listening may be a member of it because it's a really big group on Facebook um, for like trail and ultra running, but just for women. So it's it's a fantastic mm-hmm. way for resources that are relevant and stuff like that. So yeah, normally it's, it is great. <laughs> but it's very American centric, which is what I'll add there because okay. that contextualizes the post. <laughs> And we assume that's what this is. Okay, so the post says, Meet Sky, my new running partner. Well, hopefully you don't meet her, but I run alone and wanted something lightweight on me to defend myself, if need be. Had a couple of creepy experiences this summer. And really, her name, when I ordered between four choices of colours, was Sky. Lol! And what the uh, image is there is of a two-inch flick knife. (laughs) And it's like, it's only a couple of inches long, the blade. It's got a big black handle. And the blade is kind of a hooked blade, a really thick, like an inch wide, couple of inches long, but it's purple and pink and glittery. It's pretty The blade beautiful. itself is really, it's <laughs> it's lovely, but why the fuck are you carrying a flick knife? Yeah, because they're American, I assume. Like, I just... I believe that that's illegal in the UK. I believe flick knives of any length are illegal in the UK, mm, I think. Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but I've never really thought about it and worried about it that much. This is the thing. Like, I'm always amazed, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast, when I see these sort of posts about carrying a gun. But yeah. I guess if you're trained in use, like properly trained in using a gun and you're American and you're all those things... Um, I've said that like you need to be American <laughs> but what I mean is if, yeah, if you legally can carry a gun and you're trained and stuff I can imagine that yeah it would probably be a good method of self-defense I can't imagine a flick knife ever would be unless you're like an expert at knives you've got to get really close up to someone to, to use it do you know what I mean I mean also like this one as well that's not really <laughs> it's not really a stabbing knife that looks like kind of a slashing knife because yeah. it's so short and thick again you'd have to be right up against someone but also i just think if the situation arose how much do you trust yourself that you would actually follow through with that because i think even you found on your experience a few weeks ago now that was relatively minor Mm. that wasn't kind of life or death needing a weapon but you didn't react the way you expected to even to a relatively minor Mm. um, situation and i think a lot of people they've got this idea in their heads they're going to turn into some kind of fucking ninja uh, warrior when they when they encounter with this but actually in reality you probably won't react in the way that you think you will and to be up close to someone and slash them with that i think actually also that is quite a traumatic thing to do mm. yourself to another person even if it's in self-defense mm. i think that's quite a difficult thing to do and to go out there expecting it i just i think this post the fact she's posted about it probably pretty much straight away i don't know what the female equivalent of a billy big bollocks is but i think that's possibly what she is because i just kind of think that it's a bit for show and so you can i look at this pretty knife i've bought and i can put on facebook and i can get attention for it yeah i'm not sure if that's a little unfair but mm, olivia big ovaries or something (laughs) (laughs) massive massive ovaries but you i think these things can also give you a bit of a false sense of security so Whereas if you encounter something a bit dodgy, your first reaction should be, and for most people, is to get out of that situation. Yeah, avoid it. Yeah, but if if this carrying something like this is suddenly giving you this sense of being able to protect yourself, you may stick around that situation for longer than you need to stick around, and you may try and 
do something when really you should just be getting the fuck out of there. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's other ways to defend yourself without carrying a weapon. You know, if, if you're backed into a corner, there's other way. You, I think you're gonna put yourself more at risk carrying something like that than if you just used, you know, your arms and legs, what you've got available to you already. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's research that shows even like with wearing a bike helmet makes you take more risks. Mm. It's unconscious. But you do take slightly more risks mm. wearing a bike helmet compared to not. So carrying a knife, I think, again, unconsciously, you might look down a dodgy street and you think, yeah, sorry, right, I've got a knife on me. Yeah. And when usually you think, mm, I'll probably just avoid it and go around. And the thing is, when you see on these these um, more American-centric forums and groups and they're talking about carrying weapons, they always say, oh, I've carried it for this long, but I've never had to use it. It's like, yeah, because mm. the chances of something like that happening are so small. Like for most people, like are so 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 small. There's no there's no point. <laughs> yeah, and again, the chances of you using it effectively are also incredibly small. Yeah, exactly. Oh, anyway, anyway, okay. Well, let's move on now to something a bit better. Let's talk about fell running again because that's a lot more fun. This is the second part of our interview with Ruth Keeley. I suppose because I'm pretty ignorant about fell running. How much running? is involved is it the expectation that you run up the entire hill because if you're doing sort of a longer race and there's hills sometimes it's a good strategy to walk some of them so the idea of just running up one hill seems like exhausting to me so is it the expectation (laughs) that you just run up run up the entire thing and back down again or is there walking involved as well I'm more thinking I guess in terms of making it accessible to beginners as well like what the expectation is there and and people worrying about being left behind and so on if they have to walk some of it yeah I mean I've never done a fell race and not walked a bit of it if that makes you feel any better um (laughs) and I've I've even watched the world uh, mountain running um championships which is obviously the world's best runners and the year I saw it it was on tv randomly and they were running around North Wales, um, and even they were walking bits. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Sometimes I've, I've power walked past people, you know, like hands on knees up a hill, mm-hmm. who were running, and I've managed to walk past them using a, my, you know, my stronger the pace. And I think, well, if I can walk faster than they're running, I'm saving a bit of energy because you're using your body in a different way. So that kind of makes more sense to me. And I'll get to the top and won't be as knackered as if I just mm-hmm. kind of puffed and puffed my way. So I've saved a bit of energy and then I'm ready to do the next flat bit or the downhill. And so it's just, I mean, it's personal preference, but no, I would by no <laughs> means expect people not to have to do a bit of walking. And it varies, obviously, on how good you are. The guys at the front, obviously, will do less of that than the rest of us. But, yeah, that's why they're the good winners. Good for them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> so what is the toughest race you've done? What's the one that you've finished and you've really thought never again? Because I've done a few of those. Um, I end up going back. The thing. I always think never again. And then I've signed up yeah. usually for the next yeah. year. Um, <laughs> There's a few killer ones around here. I mean, there's obviously some longer ones that are a real challenge. Like I did the Edale Skyline one year, which is about, I can't remember exactly. It was about 21 miles um, around Edale, which is in the Peak District. And I, it was a few years ago. And yeah, it just killed me. I was absolutely knackered by the finish of that. And halfway around, I was just like, 
I couldn't run uphill, I couldn't run downhill, I couldn't run on the flat, my feet were just, I was running on empty, that was hard. But then there's also some really short, sharp races. There's one called Mount Famine, which is, oh, I know, it sounds insane, and it is. It's up near Hayfield, which is right in the very north sort of, um, of Derbyshire, sort of, well, it's almost kind of Stockport kind of way, I think, that kind of bit. And... Oh God, there's some crazy, crazy steep slogs in that where you just feel like you're going up constantly and never <laughs> seem to go down. Um, yeah, it's, there are some insane hills around. But then I haven't done a lot of bell running in the Lake District. Um, so people will be berating me for not being a, a proper fell runner, for not doing that much in the lakes. Um, but obviously some of them are going to be a lot, lot worse because the inclines are a lot more dramatic than what we have in Derbyshire. Yeah, I've done a few in South Wales and they're bad enough. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 definitely there will be. Um, yeah, my plan was this year actually to do a lot more, to travel around a lot more, mm. but obviously we know they're what fine. this year's turned out like. <laughs> the, Peak, the Peak District's beautiful as well. I, I used to live in Leicester. I was born and raised in Leicester. I only moved to Cardiff like 10 years ago. So I've been to the Peak District a few times. There's some Really, I've never run there because I wasn't running back then. But there's some really beautiful places. So yeah, it's fantastic. it's fantastic. It is. Yeah, I'm lucky. I've got it. You know, it's not that far. I don't live in the Peak District, but I'm not far away. And um, so yeah, there are some stunning locations. Yeah, we're looking. Okay. Um, if perhaps we can bring it back to your blog a little bit more, then. Um, what kind of things are you covering there? Is that just kind of a more of a is it kind of a personal diary thing, or are you kind of bring up some other issues as well? Yeah, I sort of started it off as a bit of a kind of diary for myself and for anyone else to dip into if they were interested. And I, I try, well, it's a mix of being fairly lighthearted and daft with things that I just have observed and find funny. And sometimes things that um, are, I find that are quite topical or frustrating. So at the moment, I've, I've talked a bit about the littering problem that seems to have blown up all over lockdown um, with people not having much else to do other than go out in the local green space, which is great. I'm all for more people in the great outdoors, but people not understanding how to respect it and keep it tidy and clean and taking their crap home with them. Um, so yeah, a lot of running routes have been sort of, it's ruined a lot of runs that I've done because the amount of rubbish that I've found. So things like that uh, and you know like yeah equal equal rights kind of issues in running so i, I vary I, I don't tend to do things like gear reviews or race reviews very often because they're not generally things that i choose to read myself unless i'm researching a very specific event that i need to know quite a lot about if it's a bigger event a bigger race um so i, th and I think there's quite a lot of other people that do that really really well and a lot better than than i can so I just tend to stick to more just things that pop into my head that I think are funny or interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how we go as well. It's, it's much easier that way. Yeah. <laughs> just wing it. Yeah. Yeah, we do get into serious issues, but then we apologise and talk about blood blisters instead. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> poo. Talking about what's your favourite cake to eat after a race to uh, why isn't there equal prize money for women and men? <laughs> what are the inequalities like in fell running? Because something we've discussed a lot on the podcast is cross country and the dif different distances for men and women in some cross country leagues. So what are yeah. like the main issues in fell running with gender inequality? 
Um, to be honest, I think fell running is actually probably a little bit ahead of the curve. And I've never gone to a race and experienced um, any discrimination. So it's things like the prize structures. Um, so it's not like the cross country events. The distance is always the same. You're all just chucked mm. into the same race. Um, but I talked about, I think it was last year on the blog, it was a marathon Erie, which isn't a fell race, but it's a, it's a tougher marathon um, mm. on the roads around North Wales. And they didn't have an equal prize structure. So they awarded prizes for the first 10 men. And I think it was just the first five women to finish. And I sort of talked about it on the blog and got in touch with them to sort of say, can, you know, why is this? And I knew what the reason had been. The, the reason was correct in that more men enter than women. So they thought that that was fair. But I sort of thought, I don't think that is fair. Because mm -hmm. by having a separate men's and women's prize structure, you're already introduced a men's race and a women's race. Mm -hmm. But then why wouldn't the prizes therefore be equal if you've got two separate events? It just doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. And they've this now it's after that. I'm not saying that that was solely because I contacted them and sort of wound them up about it. Well, the prize now equal, oh, maybe. <laughs> but they've equalised the prize structure now. So they've now it's the first five men and the first five women get a prize, which to me is just a no-brainer and every race should be like that so there's still the odd one that's out there that's just i don't know the, the justification i can understand where it comes from but i don't agree with it and i don't think it's right mm -hmm. um and i don't think it encourages more women into the sport by mm -hmm. by suggesting that that all their efforts aren't worth it if, you know those last five women runners five to 10 of the, the women's section aren't worth as much as five to 10 of the men's yeah. section. Mm. Okay, so our final question for you is, as we ask all our guests, what is the most bullshit thing about running? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this quite a lot. I was thinking of things that are funny and things that, are, but I think it's basically, it's what we've just been talking about. And it's, it's when I encounter the inequalities and people not, seeing women runners as competitors in their own right um and like i said i'm not a feminist and i try not to be too right on but it's important to me to be seen as a competitor just as equal to to a bloke turning up to the race you know i've trained i've put the hours in just as much as they have and therefore i think i deserve to be treated in the same way be that the prize structure um just everything about it really um so yeah it's it's just about inequality in races mm -hmm. is bullshit Absolutely. you wouldn't think it's much to ask would you just to be treated equal <laughs> i mean you wouldn't no and i'm you know don't get me wrong it's it's come a long long way mm. um, and I'm, I'm lucky that before me you know people have paved mm. the way before me to, to to even it out um so i'm reaping the benefits of that yeah, yeah. Thank you. And just to finish off, could you just give us uh, the blog address again and where people can find you on social media? Yes, um, I can't remember the exact blog address because the website is WordPress. It's Felrun Like a Girl and it's on WordPress, but my Instagram and Twitter are Felrun Like a Girl as well. So it's all linked up there. Yeah, if you find, yeah search Felrun Like a Girl, one word, you'll get felrunlikeagirl.wordpress.com. 
There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Thank you very much for joining us and hopefully you can get out doing some more fell racing again soon. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. It was great. So thank you very much to Ruth. And I'm really glad how much she emphasized how friendly the fell running community is. I've always felt that when I've gone to these races. They're always really small because uh, it's, it's not a thousand people. It's not a, like a huge, big effort. It's usually just a guy on a clipboard. And he says, you run up that hill, then you run down, and then we're in the pub. Right, off you go. And that's kind of it. Mm. And so it's quite nice like that. And also just the whole thing of running like a girl, I think is a good thing to uh, to reclaim. Yeah, because that's if you're struggling with representation in your community like the fell running community you need people to be really visible from you know whatever demographic it is that that is more absent so you know by her coming and saying yeah i do fell running i do this i do that i'm sure it's very encouraging for a lot of women to to have a go as well <laughs> yes yeah, so hopefully uh over the winter there's always fell runs over the winter because that's when it's more fun uh hopefully a few more people start just having a little look at those as she said some of those easier ones as Still not easy, but easier ones. So people will start looking at and spending, you know, five quid on. Why not? It's that time. It's time for bullshit running news. Bullshit running news. That was Williams Wish Wellingtons, but I changed the words to bullshit running news. I'm sure he'll appreciate that if he had literally any concept of any of the things that we just did. <laughs> oh, the big story over the last few days. Stuart, do you use Garmin? Do I do not. Know? So you will have no Don't give idea. A shit. You have no idea what's happening. You'll no, have no idea of what's been going on. I have an idea. As I said, don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm sure most people have an idea because hardly anything's being uploaded onto Strava. So Garmin has been down since Thursday. I, I'm not saying it was because I got lost in the woods and fell down a ditch, but that did happen on Thursday as well. Um, mm. And that sort of put the servers down. No. Um, so yeah, on, Garmin has been down since Thursday and... If I check my app now, I think they are still down. I checked it just before coming back on the podcast. So Garmin Connect, their website, their call centres, everything is down and people are losing their shit, as might be expected. Um, but it's funny because at the moment, Garmin Connect just says that they are down for server maintenance. Um, Which is kind of true. It's kind of, maybe, yeah, kind of. You kind of spin it like that. Um but shortly after they went down, a lot of online news outlets started reporting that the company has been a victim of a ransomware attack. So I, I, I understand that ransomware is where they sort of hackers take your data and demand money from it, I think. Yeah, is that right? Or, yeah, they, or they fuck it up and demand money in, in order to fix it. Yeah, exactly. So The Guardian reported that Garmin has been forced to shut down its call centres, website and other online services after a ransomware attack encrypted the smart watchmaker's internal network and some production systems. Yeah, people are just going nuts on social media. I heard some great fun. So Garmin posted on their social media, so like Facebook and Twitter, again, saying that they were just down. They didn't really say why. They just said that, you know, their online services are down. Um, I love this. Christopher on Facebook, which must be the most dramatic response I've seen, says, I'll be expecting a full refund. This is beyond a joke now. I'm disgusted. This is a total in- <laughs> this is a total inconvenience for my life. I'm struggling to concentrate at work. <laughs> Apparently this company is about ruining people's lives. Is that part of their strategic plan? Yeah. <laughs> they all sit around the boardroom like, right, what are our values at Garmin? Uh, ruining no. people's lives? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, tick. Tick, tick. 
Fucking hell, Christopher, chill the fuck out. I know, and at first I thought, because there's, there's been some tongue-in-cheek responses as well. Oh, there's banter. Always banter. Oh, yeah, always some top bants. So I wonder where, but it, it, from the replies on the post and his replies, he seems to be serious here. So <laughs> unless oh, he's just keeping up the facade. Um, another response I liked on Twitter, well, I love this. Uh, Amy on Twitter said that she waited 30 years and finally bought a Garmin running watch. What are the odds they are down due to ransomware attack on the day my watch arrives? <laughs> 30, wait, 30 years! What, did she start considering in 1990? <laughs> yeah. I thought a... She's like, oh, I've heard about this company that may uh, form in the, in the future. Perhaps they'll have a, a smartwatch by then. I thought it was such a bizarre statement. And if that is true, like she's, she's waiting 30 years. Then what are the chances? <laughs> I saw some other people as well saying they'd bought one. And they waited like six or seven hours to um, access the app. And it wasn't working, so they just took it back. It's like, it's down. It's just the servers are down for this reason. You don't need to take your watch back. And they, somebody said they bought a Fitbit instead. But yeah, that, that's the okay. equivalent. Good so, for you. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> um, Kim on Twitter had a rather like tongue-in-cheek response and said, Hey Garmin, I slept last night, but I don't know how many hours. Usually my Garmin tells me if I slept okay or not. Now I just don't know what to tell my kids if they want to play some games outside with me because I can't answer if I'm tired or not. Please help. Oh, yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. How are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know if you're tired? How are you supposed to know, like, if you should move after running 10 miles, you know? Yeah, no idea. No idea. I don't know when to move. Normally, my Garmin tells me from 8am onwards, it tells me when to move. And I've been sat in the same chair since then. Yeah, you better not, just in case. Yeah, just in case. And then finally, Gaz on Twitter said, absolutely papping it that some dude has hacked into Garmin and can see how shit I am at running. That could be what it is. Those are the main concerns, I think. <laughs> but the thing about all this is, like, the sports activity tracking is a minor part mm. of what Garmin does. And I've seen, I, I saw a really good thread earlier before we came on of um, someone saying that all the news outlets, again, they are saying, you know, talking about the, the smartwatch manufacturer or about the sports activity tracking company. And, like, actually, the other things they do are so much more important. Mm. They do so much aviation stuff, particularly, I know, in America. Um, I've seen someone say that it's um, the, the Federal Aviation Authority rules that the, you have to have an up-to-date flight database mm. on your plane or helicopter. And if you don't, you can't fly. So there's planes all over the world that are grounded because they can't use garmin data there's you know commercial sat navs there's all kinds of other things that are so much more important mm. and also like your garmin data it's being saved mm. it's all on your watch just wait three days to when they fix it and then upload it yeah and they'll all come through at once and you can that's, that's it you can upload stuff to strava manually i think yeah, just, strava have even posted how to do it yeah just plug it in and manually do it yourself i mean or just wait. It's just there's so much. There's so many more important things. You're not losing anything by this. You just have to wait, and people do not like waiting. No, it was funny about the aviation thing when this first all started kicking off. I saw somebody saying about like the aviation aspect of it, and then somebody else said, "Don't worry, they store 72 hours worth. You know, you know, you only need to refresh it every 72 hours." And it's like, yeah, oh shit, what we're we gonna do now though? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been yeah. done well, since it's Thursday. Been, as we record, it's been 48 hours since Goldman have tweeted anything. Mm. So they've given no update at all in 48 hours, which I don't know, perhaps is part of the ransomware thing. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand why they're not going to give you loads of detailed updates if it's ransomware, because I'm sure they don't want the hackers to know what they're doing and, and, and how they're progressing. But they need to have something. Then The servers aren't down for maintenance, are they? And the news, news reports are saying that it's ransomware. So they could 
allude to the fact that that's what it is and they're trying to sort it, you know? Yeah, some bad comms going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Uh, Amy, the Ultra Runners have got loose and I don't know what we can do to stop them. They can't be stopped. They're, it's too late. They can't they're, be stopped. they're already hundreds of miles away. <laughs> they're everywhere and nowhere at once. Uh, so first of all, as we mentioned last time, Reese Jenkins is running the whole damn Wales coast path. And he started on July 21st. As we speak, he's currently at... Oh, no. I'm sorry to say... Well, he's on Anglesey. And he's halfway between Aberfraw and Llangadwallada. Yeah, well done. So <laughs> as you as you know where those places are, basically it's in Anglesey. And it looks like some really tough... Uh, running he's uh, doing around there he's doing about 45 miles a day um from the 31st it gets funny because that's when he hits pembrokeshire and pembrokeshire is hard um you can follow him live at rockman.co.uk uh, or you can check out the show page on our website runningisbs.com for the link and uh, in fact i love about all of these you can follow all of these amazing runs live because they've all got live trackers on them so you can follow where they are and i enjoy that a lot it also has a list of dates for when he's in various places so if you live near where he's yeah. running and want to run with him you know give him some support or whatever then yeah you can see it on the website We've also had two records at the Pennine Way recently with John Kelly, who set the fastest known time of two days, 16 hours and 46 minutes a week ago, closely followed by Damien Hall, who finished on Friday, running it north to south in two days, 13 hours and 34 minutes. Like three, like beating it by a whole three hours. Like you always expect these things to be down to the minutes sort of thing when it was something so incredibly tough. But yeah. So despite being done in two and a half days, this is pretty much a single effort over the whole 268 miles with maybe a snooze and a ditch at some point. He also made this attempt carbon neutral, fueling without animal products or plastic and even collecting some litter on the way. Bloody hell. So not only is he running like non-stop for two and a half days, but he's also like picking up litter. <laughs> what a smug bastard. Oh. Like, yeah, I, I, I beat the record and also I saved the environment. So, you know, <laughs> what have you yeah. done today? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he picked up loads of litter on the first day. After that, he was like, no, fuck this. I think you see a massive piece of plastic on the floor. He just thought, no, it's too far away. He just, I can't pick that yeah, up. he just came back with like a Coke can in his hand. So, yeah, that's all, that's all there was, you know, people being... <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was lovely out there. <laughs> And going further than all of those, Cara Molinaro set off from Land's End on July 16th, and she's running all the way to John O'Groats, and she's aiming for sub-12 days, 11 hours. That is over 70 miles a day. Um, and that's also one we can look at live and see where she is. And as we record, she is running up the A9 uh, in the Cairngorms National Park. So hopefully this is a nice flat section for her, because it seems to be next to a railway line and a river. So that's nice. And she's got about two and a half days left, I think. Hopefully she'll be done on Monday as this comes out. But this is just mad. It's all these kind of records people are apparently just going for. I guess there's no races. So why not aim for a few of these records? I mean, over 70 miles a day, over 12 days. That's insane. I can't even comprehend that. Like I thought Reese was mad with his, I think he's doing about, what, 35 miles or so a day with loads of elevation. His is 870 miles Mm. over 20 days. Mm. Uh, Cara Molinara is doing 874 miles over 12 and a half days. They're both crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very strange. (laughs) And on another mental note, Devon Levesque was planning to bear crawl the entire New York City marathon. God. (laughs) And despite its cancellation, is still going to cover the distance. 
I mean, if it was cancelled, I'd be like, oh no, I can't bear crawl the entire marathon. Oh, Never mind. I'll have to, Maybe next yeah. year. Um, but they're doing this to raise awareness and money for veteran mental health. So his plan is to crawl 1.5 miles plus a break per hour and he's building up calluses on his hands to help. That's insane. Yeah, I'm sure lots of people have done a few bear crawls at the gym or as part of a, uh, a running club session. And you know, just like, like doing five or ten metres is awful. He's going to be doing this like for over a day okay. of bear crawling. Yeah. That, is, that is really nasty. Um, Amy, any guesses on what the bear crawl 100 metre record is? Gosh, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to think. 100 metres isn't that far, is it? So it's like, about 100 metres. Yeah, it's about 100 metres. <sighs> 30 seconds? No, there's a link here we shall put on social media and on our page. I do did it in 15.7 seconds. It is bonkers. That's like something out of a horror movie, isn't it? You know, like The Grudge, where she like crawls along <laughs> yeah, with her head. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> That's pretty much as fast as I can run 100 meters. This guy can do it on his hands and feet in 15.7 seconds. That's nasty. Uh, unfortunately, there's not really time to do this story justice, but it will be tweeted and posted on our show page. Uh, the top line is basically Kiwi ultramarathon runner Sophie Grant has been pushed and yelled at while racing in Northern Hemisphere, but now she's striking back. I think that's more in a media way rather than in a physical way, even though that would be funny. Yeah, she should strike back. I did have a look at this article and it's crazy. I mean, she's i hadn't heard of her before but i checked out her instagram and read a bit about her and she, she's fantastic like she's goes on all she lives in a van and goes on all these crazy adventures and then comes back and is a hairdresser for a few days in london and then goes back and does all the, it's just her life seems amazing but some of the things she was talking about in terms of how women are treated by ma- men in some of these trail runs are just nuts like it doesn't surprise me but at the same time it's insane, you know, stories are being pushed off the trail and not being allowed to pass just because you're a woman, and it's just bonkers. Yeah, it's not surprising, but at the same time blows your mind. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I hear stories like this, yeah. <laughs> right, Stuart, what's next? It's been a long episode, let's try and tie it up now. Um, basically, for me, just lots of dog walking. Hmm. Um, that's the thing I'm going to have to get used to now. I've been running really consistently for ages and ages now, but now I need to add in like five miles a day, every day of walking. So I don't know how that's going to affect things. Uh, my toe's hurting quite a lot, so that might be tricky. And I've got a mini golf tournament tomorrow because I'm well cool. <laughs> God, is it? How about you? Anything as exciting as that? I've got to ask though, is the mini golf tournament, is it, you know, is it a big tournament? Is this like the world championship or is it like a regional championship? No. Or? Uh, well, the British championships has just been cancelled. Oh. Um, I'm not that good. No, it's just the, the Welsh Mini Golf Club. Oh, okay. They're very, very friendly and very lovely. <laughs> good luck then. <laughs> we'll you. all be cheering for you. Um, I'm just going to be making sure I'm sticking to marked trails, really, and not going down oh. ditches, you know? <laughs> That's not doesn't always work out for you, though, does it, to be fair? No. But I... it's probably a little safer. I just need to stop saying let's try this when I don't really know how it's gonna pan out you know let's let's just try going down this dirt track that isn't a dirt track and end up down a ditch you know so instead of like an angel and devil on your shoulder you get like a little adventurer with a map saying hey let's go this way yeah and then they just chuck the map away when I end up in the middle of nowhere you're on your own I I really wish I'd taken some pictures of the place I was but I was so focused on getting out of there I didn't and I was and all the time I was very close to that that makeshift abode so I was quite worried that some new some wild man was going to come running out the forest and and drag me off to his tent and cook me over a fire or something but yeah 
On that note, we'll finish with a final shout out to our Patreon $1 donors. That is Louise, Len, Matt, Morwenna, Harry, Steph, Larry, Victoria, Chris, John, Rich, Jonathan, Matt, Angela, Liz, Ben, Matt, Charlie and Anthony. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit www.runningisbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store and social medias. Stay safe out there, everyone. Please don't get eaten. Don't get eaten. Wear a mask to the shops or don't wear a mask to the shops. Wear a mask on public transport. Running in jorts, jean shorts. Jorts. Jorts, jean shorts. Jorts. Jeans that are shorts. Jorts.